Is your church still trying to live in a world that no longer exists? And if so, what should you do about it? Let's talk about that in this episode of the More Than a Pastor show. Hello, my friend. Welcome to the More Than a Pastor show. My name is Rich Avery, your host. Our goal here is simple. We want to help you take your skills, experience, and ministry know-how and leverage them into sustainable income outside the church through a business or a side hustle that's right for you so you can serve God and provide for your family no matter what. Hey, I'm really glad you've joined me today. If you're new to the show, you can learn more about me get the show notes for today's episode, and join my free More Than a Pastor community on Facebook. You can get the link for all of those things over at our website, morethanapastor.com slash 37 for episode 37. So is your church still trying to live in a world that no longer exists? And if so, what should you do about it? Well, this whole thing started for me when my friend, Pastor John Stange of PlatformLaunchers.com, sent me a blog post uh, by Tom Rayner of ChurchAnswers.com. And this blog post was entitled, 10 Reasons Why Church Search Committees Are Struggling More Than Ever. And uh, Rayner begins the post by saying, the pandemic didn't cause this problem. It's not the reason why church search committees are struggling to find pastors, but it really um, uncovered the problem or exacerbated the problem. Um, And I would even say it's kind of sped up the problem of why churches are struggling to find pastors. And, And to me, it really uncovered a larger issue. So he runs through this list of 10 reasons why churches are struggling in the pastor search process. I won't take the time to read them all here, but I'll put a link to it in the show notes and you can check it out yourself. Again, go to morethanapastor.com slash 37 for episode 37 to get these show notes. But I do want to read the last two points that Rainer makes in this blog post, which I think illustrate a huge problem for the church in America right now and not only now, but for the foreseeable future. Point number nine that Rayner makes is this. The year 2019 has become nostalgic for churches in general and for pastor search committees in particular. It really has not been that long since 2019, but many churches look at that that last pre-pandemic year with longing and nostalgia. Most churches don't have a real a realistic perspective of how 2019 really was, but they long to return to that year. Search committees thus seek a pastor who can restore the attendance, programming, and the number of guests back to pre-pandemic levels. The number 10 point that he makes is this. Many churches don't realize that they cannot afford a full-time pastor. I recently met with a pastor, he said, a pastor search committee that had not been able to move forward for over a year. I asked about the compensation package for the pastor, and the amount they gave me was way below the poverty line for a family of four. Additionally, they offered no benefits. When I responded that the amount seemed absurdly low, one search committee member said they were counting on the wife to work. 
Churches must be realistic about this issue. It might be time to look for a bivocational or co-vocational pastor. So as I read through Rainer's list here, and again, I just shared these last two, number nine and 10, but when I read through the whole list, I noticed a common theme that was very relevant to the more than a pastor community and our mission here to help pastors grow their income and build financial security. And it's this, many churches are still trying to live in the past in a world that no longer exists. Do you remember the Narnia movie, Prince Caspian? There's a moment where Caspian, the rightful heir to the throne of Narnia, has to flee for his life. Caspian was the son of the king, but after his father's death, his uncle Miraz ruled as regent because Caspian had not yet come of age. And a tutor named Cornelius taught Caspian in the ways of Aslan in old Narnia preparing him for the day that he would become king. But when Miraz's wife became pregnant, Cornelius realized that Caspian's life was in danger because Miraz had eyes on the throne for himself and for his own son. So fearing for Caspian's life, Cornelius sneaks him out of the castle and sends him away for his own safety. And after giving some words of instruction, Cornelius's final words to Caspian would turn out to be a prophetic warning. Everything you know is about to change. Indeed, these changes were already in motion, but they just hadn't even realized it yet. I believe the same is true for the church in America today. Everything we've known about how to do church and be the church is changing rapidly. And I don't just mean because of the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020, 2021, 2022, and God help us, I hope not 2023. No, long before the first person in America was infected with COVID-19, our nation was already being affected by certain social cultural, political, and economic forces which had begun to disrupt the traditional or institutional church model that we've come to know over the last hundred years in America. COVID just sped up the process. So here, I think, is where we find ourselves today as a church. A recent survey showed that a large percentage of millennials believe the church is irrelevant to their lives and that it's actually not a positive force in American society. And one of the biggest reasons why is the way they see Christians speaking and acting with regard to political candidates and social issues. Sadly, many Christians don't sound very Christian-like when it comes to politics, and they've placed their allegiance in politics before the kingdom. The phrase toxic church should be a contradiction in terms, right? And the idea of a toxic church culture should be unthinkable. Sadly, the church is not immune to toxic culture environments. And I think we all know that and have heard about or maybe even experienced firsthand environments that weren't healthy. But stories of toxic church culture, the mistreatment of women in the church, and sexual misconduct by church leaders along with the cover-ups by church boards, are so widespread that many now believe it's baked 
into the church, and no church leader or institution can be trusted. Every generation has had its activists and causes that it's cared about, but the millennials and Gen Z generations are activist generations. They're super passionate about social issues like immigration and the environment. But at the top of the list, you'll find racial justice and LGBTQ. A 2021 survey by Springtide Research Institute showed that half of young people ages 13 to 25 surveyed said they don't believe that religious institutions care as much as they do about the issues that matter deeply to them, namely racial justice and LGBTQ. And that translates into a low level of trust in the church. The bottom line thing to know about Gen Z is that they refuse to align with institutions they don't trust or that don't share their values. And in an age when many are questioning their faith and the validity of certain doctrinal positions, many leaders in the church have been more known now for their debate and demonization over dogma than exhibiting the gentleness and respect that Christ had for the marginalized and vulnerable. This has pushed so many away from the church for now, and for some, maybe for good. So to sum it all up, I believe we're living in an age where the church of Jesus Christ is no longer seen as relevant to our culture, no longer seen as a safe place for people to belong, no longer seen as a positive force in society. Surely this must grieve the heart of God. So what does all this change mean for the future of the church? And what should we do in response? Well, I think the continued erosion of trust in the traditional and institutional evangelical church among people of all generations, but especially among millennials and Gen Z, will affect every church and every pastor. For many, it'll mean a sustained decline in church attendance and giving. And this will mean that many churches are going to be struggling to survive on the traditional church funding model of tithes and offerings. Some will have to close, others will have will be forced to make hard decisions regarding their biggest budget expenses, which is typically facilities and staffing. But please hear me, I'm not saying that I think this is the end of the church in America. Far from it, because I still believe, and I hope you do too, that the church is still God's redemptive agent in the world. But perhaps this is the beginning of the end of the traditional institutional church as we've come to know it in America. Maybe God wants to use this season to deinstitutionalize the church, to bring it back to something more organic and missional, maybe even to use this to foster a revival or a renewal in our culture. So what can we do in the light of these things? I think these words from moral and social philosopher Eric Hoffer are instructive for the church to date. Listen to what he said. In times of change, learners inherit the earth, while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal in a world that no longer exists. Let me repeat that again and uh, just let it really soak into your mind. 
In times of change, learners inherit the earth, while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with the world that no longer exists. I'd like to suggest that what the church can take from Hoffer's observation here is this. When we stand in the face of change, we can take one of two postures. We can be that we can take that of the learner or the learned. The learned already have the answers. They've learned how to react to change based on the training they've received in the past, and they continue to see the world through the lens of their previous experiences. But the learner is curious, interested, and adaptable. The learner has learned how to anticipate change, not merely to react to it. And they help others learn to anticipate and adapt as well. So for the church to be a learner, I think we need to become more curious about our culture and more humble in how we engage with our community. We need to understand the times we're living in and anticipate what's coming next, and then learn how to live and act as a result. I think if you're going to reach a culture that increasingly doesn't want anything to do with the church, we're going to need fresh expressions of church that don't look like traditional churches, and we need to equip pastors who don't look like typical church pastors. This may mean that the church of the future meets more in homes than it does in traditional church buildings. It's more organic and missional. Most of its income is given away versus being used on facilities and staff. The church of the future is probably less tied to a denomination or association because it cares less about the labels and the dogmas that have divided people. And it wants to foster that beloved community where all can truly belong. The church of the future is led by a co-vocational pastor who feels called to serve God in both the church and in the marketplace. And the pastor's income is derived mostly from their marketplace work through a traditional job or through their own business or other streams of income. So what are some ways that you can begin now to anticipate the changes that are coming to your church and community, and how can you adapt your strategies accordingly? Here are four great next steps. Number one, if your church is still dreaming of a return to 2019, it's time to accept the fact that your church, neither your church nor the world is going back to how things were before COVID, because changes have been coming to the church way before COVID had hit the church. Number two, you need to define reality. And it's the job of every leader to do that, to clarify where you're at right now, to understand where things are headed in the next few years, and then to discover the best strategies to help your church navigate these changes. Number three, begin searching now for alternative streams of revenue for your church. Look for ways you can repurpose your facilities, your land, or your other assets in in ways that can generate some long-term sustainable income for your church. And number four, create a plan to transition to a co-vocational staff model over time. Free up more of your time now so you can begin to pursue income outside of the church. Explore the best ways that you can leverage your ministry know-how into income outside the church through your own business or side hustle. 
If you're not sure if starting a business is right for you, then get my free assessment guide. It's aptly called How to Know if Starting a Business is Right for You. Inside, you'll discover the 12 signs that you might be ready to start your own business. And you'll learn the three most important things every pastor needs to build and grow a successful business today. You can download your free copy at morethanapastor.com slash biz. So what do you think? Am I right about where the future of the church is headed or am I all wet? I'd love to hear your feedback. You can send me an email at rich at morethanapastor.com. Well, that's it for today's show. Before we go, would you do me a favor and hit like, share, or subscribe if you haven't already done so? Also, what topics would you like me to discuss on a future episode? Please let me know. Until next time, remember that you are more than a pastor. Saying yes to God's call doesn't mean you have to say yes to feeling stuck, broke, or unfulfilled in your life in ministry. Let's work together and help you create the life, impact, and income that you were made for.